Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, you're listening to the Great Women in Compliance Podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is with Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine. Today's guest is Caitlin Toby, who is a research and development paralegal at EMD Serono. She's also a very active part of the Great Women in Compliance podcast community on LinkedIn. I'm so excited to talk to her. A few weeks ago, one of my colleagues was talking about getting compliance certification, and she said, I'm in one of Caitlin Toby's study groups. That really brought to mind for me how she's someone who's not only developing herself within the field of compliance, but also developing other compliance professionals in her own time. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us. And can you start by telling us a little bit about your background and how you got into compliance? Of course, Lisa, and thank you for having me. Um, I became involved in compliance as a result of being in the right place at the right time, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to. Uh, I originally went to school to be a paralegal, and through my school, I was placed in an internship at the corporate headquarters of a mortgage company. Um, While there, I worked with the company's general counsel, and about a month into my internship, I was offered a full-time paralegal role. As my role developed over the years, I was increasingly tasked with compliance-related issues, such as overseeing um, company and loan officer licensing, responding to state regulators and audits, and implementing a compliance program. I was fortunate, in a way, to have started my career right at the tail end of the Great Recession, So, you know, there was a big push, as people probably remember, to implement effective compliance programs, and, you know, especially in the financial industry, which was, you know, the biggest issue at that time. Um, Eventually, I was promoted to the role of the compliance officer for the company, and I was the first one that the company had. Yep, that's great. Um, And after that, what what was your next step? So after working there for several years, I came to a crossroads in my life um, where I could either keep going, you know, down that path and, you know, focusing on my career, or I could follow my dream and go travel and live abroad. Um, So I was at a point where I didn't have any real responsibilities, you know, other than my job keeping me back. So I made the hard decision and, you know, gave my notice to my boss and, you know, ended up getting on a plane after, you know, eight weeks after I gave my notice and went to South America and was able to live in several countries down there. Yeah. And, you know, when you and I have talked about that, I think it's, it's a really fabulous thing to do. And I did something similar after I'd been in my law career for a while and I'd always wanted to live in a small town, small ski town. And I moved out to Park City, Utah. It was a great experience for a lot of reasons, but it also helps clarify you know, the big picture of what, you know, you want to do next and do you like the career you're in and, you know, where do you want to go? Um, And I know that when you came back, you stayed in the compliance world and did some other things. So talk about your next move. I did. So when I returned home to the Boston area, which is where I'm from, um, I decided to, you know, first focus on finishing up my final few classes, which I needed for my bachelor's degree. Um, And then I started applying for jobs. Um, mostly in compliance, but I was pretty open-minded, you know, about what my options were. And I ended up finding a great role um, that ended up being, you know, a really good fit for me, which was as a compliance and contracts coordinator at a local hospital. 
And then how did you maintain and keep working through compliance and, you know, building your knowledge base after that? So, you know, my job at the hospital was my first introduction to healthcare compliance. Mm -hmm. I had gone from, you know, a financial compliance focused role. Um, So there was definitely a lot for me to learn and, you know, a pretty big learning curve just to learn the industry, the, you know, organization, things like that. So I was really fortunate that my supervisor was the one who brought up the idea of certification um, in order to get me up to speed on, you know, just the various healthcare specific regulations that I needed to learn. Um, She encouraged me to go to the, you know, compliance conferences, um, whether they were regional or national. And she also signed me up for one of the compliance academies um, that are offered. So I went to that and met lots of other fellow compliance professionals. Um, I also, you know, became a member of a compliance professional association and started interacting online and through their online message board system. Um, And that's where I found lots of people, you know, sharing resources and starting study groups for, you know, certification exams. Yeah, and then as you got um, more involved in those organizations, you started thinking about and doing your SCCE training courses. So how did you get interested in it? And then how did you move forward to start doing some things? Yeah, so because of my background, you know, starting in finance and moving into healthcare, I was interested in, you know, the broader compliance world and not just the healthcare-specific compliance, you know, conferences and things like that. So I decided to start studying for the CCEP, which is the Certified Compliance and Ethics Professional exam, which is not healthcare focused. It's for someone that's in any industry. Um, So I just kind of put it out there on the message board that I was going to start this study group um, and people started signing up and I started putting together materials for it and, you know, figuring out how to use an online platform, meeting platform um, so that people could join from anywhere in the world. Um, there was a lot of trial and error you know, in the process, but we made it work. And eventually we kind of, you know, I came up with the um, solution of having four sessions and having people join and, you know, review the material. We'd go over example questions and that's kind of where, how it all began. <laughs> yeah. And um, how much are you charging for this? So I actually don't charge anything for the live study groups. Um, I had a lot of people help me when I was studying for the healthcare-focused certification exam. Um, There were people who ran study groups for that specific exam, and I did join those um, early on, and that really helped me out. So I just wanted to kind of pay it forward in that way. It also really helps me to, you know, just professionally to refresh myself on the material when I'm, you know, preparing for, you know, one of the study group sessions. And it also helps me to meet people and build my network. So, you know, I get a benefit out of it, even if I'm not charging people. (laughs) Right. Well, I think that's, I mean, that was one of the things that I just think is like fantastic that you do this as a, you know, as as a no cost opportunity for people, because already, you know, paying for courses and other things can just add on to the, you know, things for people starting their career. I think it's an amazing resource and it really is an amazing way to put, you know, to pay things forward, as you said. Um, so when you, you know, as you, you as you um, have built the groups, you know, how do you refresh the materials? You know, kind of talk a little bit about the, the period of time that you take for the courses, the frequency, kind of, and how you, you know, develop that, that as well as the, the materials you use. So I usually run the sessions for four one-hour sessions at a time. Um, 
So and we'll meet either once a week or we'll have two sessions over the course of two weeks. I found that works the best and it's not too much of a commitment for people because we all have busy lives. We can't, you know, drop everything for a study group. But at the same time, you know, it's still effective and people do, you know, are able to learn enough and take away something from it. Um, for putting together the materials, I usually, you know, most of the things that you need are free online. Uh, a lot of it's just resources that uh, regulators have put out there, you know, with guidance related to effective compliance programs, the DOJ guidance. Um, we just really look at it in depth um, and try and pull out, you know, where a question might come from on the exam. Yeah. And how many people attend, you know, in general, two of them? So the most recent study group had over 90 people registered for it. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, over, I've done several study group um, sessions, you know, not just, not individual sessions, but right. yeah. groups over time. So because I've been doing this for over a year now. Um, so I've had probably a few hundred people total in the study groups that have taken something from it. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, one of the things that struck me as we've spoken about this is that, you know, and also our, this podcast has been going for almost a year as well. And there's some similarities in that one thing that, you know, Mary and I have seen is that we get some great stories from people who've been impacted or had some thought about it or something like that. When you spoke, you said you've gotten some great, you know, feedback or other things, you know, from people. Can you talk about some of your you know, favorite success stories or, you know, benefits for you? Sure. I've, I'm always thrilled to open my email um, and find a message from a study group attendee who's just passed their exam. And I've gotten that many times. So that's always really great. Specifically, I've, you know, heard from people, you know, all around the world. So I've gotten emails from Eastern Europe, from South America, people that have passed on their second or third attempt at their exam um, because they, it finally clicked after taking the study group and they understand, you know, how to approach the questions because that's, you know, a big piece of the exam, not just knowing the content. Um, I've had people tell me that they've gotten promotions finally because they managed to pass the exam just in time for the deadline that they were given by their manager. So, you know, there's just a lot of success stories and, um, you know, it makes me encouraged and want to keep doing the study group. And, you know, you also talked a bit about how you've, you know, it's helped you build your network. I know that you've also started another role recently, and I think that was partially due to that network. You know, talk about your success story. Yes. Yeah, so I'm a big believer in, you know, proactively building your network and not going to people when you're desperate and you're, you know, immediately looking for a job because you're, you know, you hate where you are and you want to leave. I was really fortunate in that, you know, I've been involved in a, several professional organizations, so some related to being a paralegal and some related to compliance. And my current role that I got, um, I wasn't actually actively looking for a new job. However, someone, you know, knew about me, they knew about my background in both compliance and the legal fields, um, and they had an opening on their team at a global pharma company. And when that opportunity came up, my, you know, name and background came to mind, and they, you know, told me about it and really encouraged me to apply and gave me, you know, tips on how to best present myself for that role. So, you know, having proactively built that network really helped me. And that's what I encourage people to do. And I think the study groups help people with that because everyone's on the study group. Everyone has a similar goal that they're working towards. And when I do the groups, I, there's a chat 
uh, function on it. And I tell people, you know, definitely reach out to each other. You know, if you, if someone's in your same industry, you know, send them an email, look them up on LinkedIn, like, don't be shy. Use this as, you know, an opportunity to reach out to someone who might be able to help you down the road. I mean, don't ask them for a job today, (laughs) I would say, (laughs) but, you know, or look for ways you could help someone else. Like maybe you have an opening on your team and someone's in the study group. Maybe that could be a good way to start a conversation about a potential opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's absolutely true. One other thing that you just made me think of was I often say this to people, um, you know, this is going to become your community because I don't know about the rest of the people listening to the podcast or you, Kate, but that in real life, I don't have a lot of people who necessarily are thinking I want to spend, you know, a few hours talking about ethics and compliance or, you know, these things, but to have that community to talk about the things we care about so much and to start building that is just invaluable as well as, you know, the, the, the benefit. Um, so I think Definitely. that is huge. Um, but with that in mind, what advice do you have for someone who's starting out, um, in compliance using, um, either using your, your, your study groups or also like, and also the best lesson that you have about the exam, since you now are much closer to it than most people. Sure. So no, the best advice that I would have for someone starting out in compliance is to is to find a group of people, um, whether that's online or in person, that will help challenge you to grow and build new skills, um, whether that's in compliance or outside compliance, um, in, or in your industry or outside of your industry. Um, don't just stick to learning about, you know, the immediate task at hand. Think, you know, of the future and try and find people that you know, you can look up to and maybe could develop a mentor or sponsor type relationship. Um, for the exam, I actually have a couple pieces of advice that I always give to people and I think are the most helpful. So the first one is to just, before you go into the exam, know exactly what the difference is between compliance and the other departments that sometimes get confused with the comp- compliance um, or have overlapping roles. So you know, what's the difference between compliance and HR, compliance and legal, especially, you know, compliance and internal audit. Um, And then the other piece of advice related to the exam would be, you know, to not rely too much on your personal experiences at an organization um, because, you know, each organization is going to do things a little differently based on, you know, resources, size, um, knowledge, you know, that people have. So, you have to really look to the official guidance and, you know, what's coming from the regulators and what, you know, the professional organizations are saying as to what, you know, compliance is um, and what, what it should be responsible for. Basically. Right. No, that's great. And then in terms of the networking, you talked a bit about it before um, and, you know, opportunities, do you have any other, you know, points about that you want to share as well? Um, I would just say be creative. Don't just, stick to the compliance organizations, get yourself out into other organizations as well. You never know where you're going to meet somebody um, that could help you out. Maybe it's someone that's the CFO or the CEO of a company. So definitely keep your mind open and don't limit yourself. And yeah, no, that's great. And I know the other thing that you, you know, talk about a lot is that you building a career at any point in your career you know, there's really ups and downs and that, you know, not only are take you are taking advantage of opportunities, but to not be afraid to, to, to apply or to, um, you know, for, for, um, you know, for rejection. I know that's something you also care very much about. That's definitely true. So, 
you know, when I applied for my most recent role, I had never worked in the pharmaceutical industry before, but I knew I could learn um, based on my previous experience going from finance to, you know, the healthcare industry, you know, I knew how to reach out for resources, how, you know, to fall back on my network and find people um, who did work in the pharma industry to ask questions and, you know, pick their brain in a way. So I think that's really important for people to keep in mind. Yeah. And, you know, I just think that one of the things that is particularly, you know, I think for women, we often, I mean, I know that men, when they apply for jobs or think about it, they just, men often, not to completely generalize, will just say, why not? What do I have to lose? Why not apply to do speaking or this thing or that? And then women, you know, we often look and say, do we have all of the qualifications? Can I do this? Um, And I think it's a really important lesson, um, you know, in growing a career is, what do you really have to lose sometimes by just putting yourself out there? Right. The worst they can say is no. <laughs> just go back and try again. <laughs> exactly. And I really, I don't know if there's is there any other things you you know want to share before we get going? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. And I do want to share one more thing. So I sort of, that was a loaded thing. I want to just say that, you know, a few weeks ago, Mary and I were talking about sort of the rest of the year and who to talk to. And one of the things, you know, because of all of these unique things that you've done and the fact that you're building your career in compliance, I was like, you know, we should really talk to Caitlin. And I was about to to email you while you were one of the people who share feedback and said, you know, we'd love to hear from people that are at different phases in their careers. And I just laughed so hard because I thought, surprise, you don't know what's coming in about an hour. So... (laughs) I really, you know, I just think it's fantastic. And I wanted to thank you for being so involved and, you know, for sharing your journey as you're, you know, you know, building your career Um, and maybe a little less, shall I call it, grizzled than some of the rest of us. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks. And um, I'm going to sign off. This is Lisa Fine on behalf of Mary Shirley and the Great Women in Compliance podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.